0: Election College Episode 14, The Corrupt Bargain, and Election of 1824. In this episode, the era of good feelings is over, and the United States votes for a president it doesn't get. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always... It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, everybody. I'm Jason Goff.
1: And I'm Ben Smith. And
0: thank you for joining us for another episode of Election College. Let's get into it. So, Ben.
1: Yes, Jason?
0: Last episode, we were feeling really good during the era of good feelings, and James Monroe was really making everyone happy and all
1: at ease during his presidency, right? Oh, absolutely. And of course, we know how politics goes. This kind of, when everybody's feeling good, it's just going to keep on rolling, right? Yeah. So 1824
0: rolls around, and? It all stops because it was a mess.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Federalist Party is basically gone. And we talked about that in the last episode a little bit. So we really only have the Democratic-Republicans left. So I I don't really know what you mean. There can't be a lot of controversy. We've only got one party.
0: Yeah, I think it's smooth sailing from this point. But James Monroe, being the goodwill president that he was, decides – Not to seek a third term, even though there was nothing stopping him from doing so. So his vice president, Daniel D. Tompkins. Yeah,
1: maybe he should be president next. Yeah. That'd work. Let's
0: go for it. Guess what? What? First of all, he is not really popular at all, and he falls ill. Oh, man. And guess
1: what, Ben? What? He dies. (laughs) But not during office. Yeah, but. Still, he dies. So still, he dies. Okay. So wait, we've, I, I guess we've pretty much got a clean slate here, right?
0: Yeah. So. All right. Cool. Fresh start. It's like all of the founding fathers are out of the way, and we've got a new slate.
1: Well, I think first up, a new name, a name we've never heard, uh, coming from a brand new family of people who have never ever been president before, John Quincy Adams. Right. Woo-hoo! Brand right? new. Oh. Yeah. We've never heard the name John Adams before. So, um, I mean, he was secretary of state under Monroe and pretty much everybody at that point thinks the secretary of state is the second most prominent position in government. And if you get to be secretary of state, they're kind of like grooming you to be president. So John Adams is in a pretty good spot. John Quincy Adams, uh, as we do know, he is the son of our favorite His rotundity. rotundity. John Adams. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, what do you think? Let's just call him Q. What do you think? Uh, yeah, we could do that. Okay. So, OQ, he, he was, did a pretty good job being Secretary of State, right? He negotiated some key treaties, like the Treaty of Ghent, which, if you remember, ended the War of 1812, and he negotiated that crazy border between the US and Canada. And also with Spain over the annexation of Florida.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's he's a mover and a shaker. John Quincy Adams seems like a good guy. Yeah. And we've got the Secretary of the Treasury, William H. Crawford.
0: What do you think about him, Ben?
1: Well, I mean, he must be great because a a caucus of his peers pretty much elected him. I mean, nominated him. I mean, there's the Democratic-Republicans. They get together for a caucus, and they're all like, hey— Let's vote for him.
0: But only 70 members attend. So it's really basically disregarded and called elitist and anti-democratic. So his star is kind of faded a little bit in my mind. That stinks.
1: Well, well, good for us. We have Henry Clay. Henry Clay is the speaker of the house and uh, he's really a well-known man. He's respected across the nation And that caucus we just talked about, he probably could have gotten that uh, nomination if he'd wanted to, but Henry Clay was pretty against the caucus process and thought it was a bad way to select candidates. Hey, if you, um, if you want to know some fun stuff about Henry Clay, Henry Clay, first of all, was like, is going to be really influential in future episodes of the show too. And we've talked about him some in the past. So he's a, he's a name that you should remember, but you should go to YouTube. And look up, uh, Mr. Betts class and look up Henry Clay. M- Mr. Betts class is this YouTube channel I found last week and I, I think I sent out a tweet about it. Yeah. Um, he takes popular songs and does historical renditions of them. I mean, they're not always the best, uh, vocal quality, but for creativity and it just makes me laugh in a yeah. good way
0: every time. He's great. It made me laugh, Ben. I thought your tweet was excellent and.
1: You introduced me to a whole new world of awesomeness. Anyway, you'll listen to him talk about Henry Clay. He's He's got it down. Awesome. And I'm from Kentucky, so we
0: love Henry Clay. He's like as awesome of a guy as you could possibly want from our great commonwealth. So we have Andrew Jackson. Of course, Andrew Jackson. You want to call him Andy? Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Andy Jack. So Andy Jack, he's our military hero. Remember him from back in the War of 1812? He goes down to New Orleans, kicks some British butt, and he is a former governor. He's a former senator. He is really seen as a champion of the common man. And, of course, he's from Tennessee. So what's not to like about him, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know there's a
1: song about him, too? No. No, Not from Mr. Betts. Or maybe there is from Mr. Betts. I don't know. Yeah, it it was – um. Well, it's kind of, it's the Battle of New Orleans. Remember that song? In 1814, we took a, a little, little trap,
0: trap across the... Something. Maybe. It was, yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just, it just reminded me of it when you said the Battle of New Orleans. and Whatever. So next up, just to get <laughs> over that hump, <laughs> is John C. Calhoun. He is the Secretary of War. And if there is more of a cool title for a tough guy than secretary of war. I don't know what it is, but John C. Calhoun has a really strong following in South Carolina and in Pennsylvania. And over the years, he really shifts from being a nationalist to a state's right defender. And uh he, yeah, he's just a smart guy. Yeah. And he's so smart that he sees
0: the field and he's like, Oh, that's some stiff competition. So he backs out He decides to run for vice president and should we give it away, Ben?
1: Go ahead. I I think it's fine.
0: So he runs for and wins the vice presidency that after he dropped out, he backed Jackson because he was more in line with his beliefs and the beliefs of the Southern states. And he vehemently opposed almost all of Adams policies and beliefs, but really didn't speak out
1: against him. Right. So supporters of both Jackson and of Adams, or I'm sorry, um, how are we doing this again? Andy Jack and Andy Q. Jack. Yeah. Andy Jack and Q. Uh, and uh, everybody who supported them, both sides liked Calhoun. So, you know, he doesn't want to bash either side, even the ones he doesn't agree with so that he doesn't lose support. So it sounds like John C. Calhoun is a pretty smart guy.
0: Yeah. And meanwhile, all of this creative thinking going, the strategic, strategicizing, uh, all that's going on. I don't. I don't
1: think that's a real thing. You just said, I, "Hey, strate- I'll let it go." Though Sorry.
0: strategery. I think that's a future election. But
1: anyway, all of this creative
0: thinking and campaigning and deal making is going on. But the traditional congressional caucus nominated William H. Crawford for president and. Albert Gallatin for VP. Now, very
1: few people attended the caucus and that was really considered undemocratic. Right. And we mentioned this before, but Gallatin actually withdrew from the vice presidential nomination. Um, his credibility gets attacked and he just can't take it. And so then Crawford is left hanging out and then he has a stroke and his, it's just bad news. So. Uh, that he just doesn't get a lot of support but John Quincy Adams on the other hand has a lot of support already built in from federalist voters in New England why because he's an Adams i mean yeah he comes from he comes from the north
0: the adams family Spe-
1: speaking of the north <laughs> and the adams family we talked we've talked many times in the past about how depending on where you're from sometimes is more important to getting you elected than than what you stand mm-hmm. for Which, you know, isn't a good thing, right? We want to nominate people for what they stand for, but nonetheless, Adams is strong in the northeast in the New England states, and uh Colonel Jackson is strong in the south, and actually the west and the mid Atlantic, he's pretty strong all around. Yeah. Henry Clay is strong in parts of the West for multiple reasons, and Crawford, parts of the east, parts of the west, parts of the south. He's just all around a nice guy.
0: Yeah. So hey Ben. Yes, sir. Got good feelings going on, really no political parties, and then campaigning comes back with a vengeance. This is the first election we really see a ton of campaigning happening. Probably due, at least in part, to the fact that there were so many candidates.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you have, what was it, five originally? It went down to four later in the game. Candidates running for the same office, there's got to be some some mudslinging and some campaigning and why would you not want to get your name out there? So one of the things that really started happening was Contrafacta. That's a big are you word. Familiar with, you, you're familiar with Contrafacta, Jason? Uh, oh
0: yeah. Um Sure. That's where well-known songs and tunes with altered lyrics uh, are used to promote agenda or like right candidates, out the, right? right
1: out of the dictionary. Yeah. I didn't Sounds read good. that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, what they would do was take popular songs of the day and put lyrics about the either the candidate or an agenda that they were carrying or something that was happening, and they'd put those lyrics to it and I mean now we're really, really familiar with this right i mean yeah you, you hear these kind of songs all the day all the or all the time today uh back in the two thousand I think it was election or maybe it was two thousand four. Oh, this isn't good. I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later, I'm sure. But remember, Jib Jab—they were this group that would put together a bunch of, of videos. Some of them were set to pop songs. Some of them weren't. They're and climbing in your the windows.
0: They're snatching your people up. <laughs> oh, not bad. <laughs> I think that, I think
1: that was a little later, but yeah, it, <laughs> it also basically is the exact same thing I'm talking about. My um. My high school teacher, one of my high school teachers, Mr. Satoshi, I'm sure he listens to every episode, actually. I'm sure of course. But Mr. Satoshi would actually, uh, do this occasionally. But one time there was this, there was this video or I'm sorry, this commercial from Subway about Clay Henry. And he was this guy who was a fireman and he, uh, he lost a bunch of weight like Jared from Subway did. And Mr. Satoshi took that song and you know switched the name around to be Henry Clay and made a, a Contrafacta kind of song. So it was a pretty good time.
0: Nice. I am just now remembering that. Clay Henry. Yeah. Anyway, so you got all kinds of newsprints, um, political cartoons, partisan writings. Calhoun was actually involved heavily in the publishing of the newspaper called The Patriot and was even on the editorial staff. Not only is that really unusual, but it's kind of ridiculous. I just can't
1: believe that nobody <laughs> called him out for it. Like, hey, um, we've got a presidential candidate who is writing his own propaganda, <laughs> but most of the candidates didn't really run their own campaigns. So it was really unusual for John C. Calhoun to do this, but it was would have been even more unusual for him to do something more proactive. But uh yeah, candidates didn't really run their own campaigns. They left it to volunteers and people who were on their side. So man, this is just a crazy election. Why don't we just get right into how the actual election goes? Because it's it's so straightforward. I mean, it'll just be really easy to talk about.
0: Yeah, definitely. So Calhoun member had the support of both Jackson and Adams in their camps. So he easily wins the vice presidency. And the presidential results, hey,
1: inconclusive. Oh, Mm. That's not, that's never you never want that. that. probably hanging in chads and stuff, right? Right, right. I mean,
0: I think there's all kinds of things hanging at this point because there were just so many candidates and all of them captured the different regions. Like you mentioned earlier, Ben.
1: Yeah. Jackson, wins states all around, we, we went through this, but everybody gets a little piece of the pie. But Jackson actually gets the biggest piece of the pie. He gets more popular votes than everybody else. And he also gets more electoral votes than anyone else. So, Woo-hoo! hey, if he yeah. gets more popular votes and more electoral votes, that means Andrew Jackson's president. Of Yay! course. Not, Not. No. No. Because he didn't get the majority of the votes needed. There were 261 electoral votes. Buddy Andrew Jackson got 100. Or, uh, I'm sorry. He didn't get 131. He got, I think, 94, 90, 96 Regardless, it wasn't enough. Right. Every, there were too many candidates getting too many votes, soaking them up. Hey, Ben. Yeah.
0: Remember the 12th Amendment?
1: Oh, yeah, because of how strong a stance we took on it. I think we pretty much changed the political landscape in this country.
0: Yeah. Um Well, guess
1: what?
0: Hmm. There's something about the 12th Amendment that's a little strange. Okay, yeah. So well. if a candidate does not win the majority of electoral votes... The vote goes to the House of Representatives.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember talking about that. That's that's a really good plan.
0: All right. Yeah. So only the top three candidates were admitted for consideration by the House. So Jackson, Andy Jack, I mean, Q, and Crawford. Henry Clay, he gets the boot because he was number four.
1: Yeah, And and Henry Clay pretty much detests Andy Jack. He says... I cannot believe that killing 2,500 Englishmen at New Orleans qualifies for the various difficult and complicated duties of the chief magistracy. Who?
0: good word there, That's Ben.
1: Pretty. Yeah. I mean, I didn't make it up. Uh, Clay Henry said it and I just repeated it, but Clay Henry. Anyway.
0: so Clay, Clay's position actually <laughs> aligned better with Q who he also didn't like. So he gives all of his support to the Q meister Do you think that, do you think that Henry Clay liked anybody? I think he, he liked Kentucky Okay. Okay. And I'm from Kentucky, so cut us some, cut us a break. He's the closest thing to a president we got. (laughs) I mean, other than the fact that Lincoln was born here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think Lincoln would be highly offended. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: So anyway, Adams, the Q-meister gets All of Henry Clay's support, and he was elected as president by the House of Representatives on the very first vote. Thirteen states voted for him and only seven for Jackson.
1: Man, how would you feel? I mean, I am positive Jackson was absolutely outraged. He wins the popular vote by 31,000 votes, so he's got 9% over the next closest person, which is Adams, by the way. The electoral votes swing his way, too. He gets 99 and 38 percent. So Adams gets about 32 percent. So he's got almost 6 percent more than the next closest person. He's got 9 percent more popular vote than the next next closest person. And he doesn't get to be president. Oh, man. I'd be kind of miffed, too. Kind of reminds you, I mean, almost a little bit of how Al Gore probably felt.
0: Yeah, but at least – Al Gore did lose the electoral college. Right. Exactly. But yeah. Yeah. So there was some controversy surrounding the election. How about that, Ben? Big surprise. <laughs> Big surprise. Huge <laughs> surprise. Yeah. An anonymous statement appeared in the Columbian Observer, and the anonymous person claimed to be a member of Congress and accused Henry Clay of selling Q's support for the office of Secretary of State. Now, no formal investigation ever occurred, and Clay was offered the position and accepted it. He figured that since he supported the administration and voted for them, he should help serve under them. See? Noble guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, word on the street is he also pretty much assumed that, well, if I decline the position, nobody's going to think better of me anyway. So I might as well take it and let them (laughs) think whatever they want, (laughs) which is probably how I would have approached things as well. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. So since Adams and his three predecessors had served as Secretary of State, many people thought that whoever was in that position was being groomed to be the next president. And Jackson and his supporters accused Adams, the Q-Meister, Andy Jack and his supporters. I need to get the Andy Jack thing down, Ben. I know. They so they accuse uh Adams, Q, and Clay of making a quote corrupt bargain and actually campaigned on and propagated that opinion over the next four years. So we can talk more about Q in the next episode, since this one has been so jam-packed with all kinds of great info.
1: Absolutely.
0: So Ben, there's a lot to be said about Q and all that he did and this election. Where can we find out more information about that?
1: Yeah, you can find out a ton about John Quincy Adams in the book, John Quincy Adams, American Visionary. It is a book jam-packed of all sorts of information about him. It's a biography of his entire life, but it also details out pretty much everything political that he did, uh, day by day almost. And if you uh, want to read it, you're welcome to read it. We'll put a link in the show notes to it for you. If you're like me and you don't have a lot of time to sit down and read, but you drive a ton or you have headphones in a lot while you're working, you might want to check out Audible. Audible. Is an audiobook service, and if you want, we can even hook you up with a free audiobook and a free month membership to Audible if you go to electioncollege dot com slash Audible. Like I said, you can check out that book about John Quincy Adams or anything else you really want to.
0: Sweet. So Ben, yes, you're like Andy Jack, and you win the popular vote, you win the the most electoral votes, okay, and you lose. Ugh. That's be really, really rough. You go back to your home, in this case, the Hermitage. You go back to Tennessee, and you're looking for some moral support. What do you do?
1: I mean, I probably, if it were me, I would probably go to my computer and get on iTunes and see what people are saying about me in, in reviews and stuff. You know, it takes
0: real people writing real reviews. And we got an awesome review from the bees knees 81 who said about the podcast. It's quick, fun and insightful. We pull back the curtain on the election process through the ages just in time for the 2016 election season starting to gear up. Check them out. Something like that would make me feel really good. And yeah. Actually, that did make me feel really good.
1: It's kind of funny you said real people uh, saying real things and then immediately launched into saying the username was the bees knees 81 <laughs> <laughs> But yes, we appreciate that review and all the reviews people have left for us, why don't you go leave one at electioncollege.com/ review We would love that
0: yeah and if you'd like to interact with us, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram way too much but we really like hearing from you so connect with us we're at election college on
1: each of those absolutely i think that's everything we have to say for episode 14 you think so jason yep all right well thanks everybody (laughs) for listening we'll see you next time we'll see you then